This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's stand as our campus joins with us down in the Fox Valley, as well as all the people online, lots of people still online. Hundreds. <laughs> there's like 500 people a week that watch us still online, and assuming there's more than one person watching, that's like a thousand people or more. So, still at home, but we love you all the same. We're <laughs> I meet them all the time. Anyway, let's all recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. <clears throat> Before we go any further, I'd like to remind you of our offering. We don't hand the buckets out uh, anymore. I don't know if we ever will again, but uh, because of the whole COVID thing. If you have cash or check that you would like to give, in support of your church. You can do so on the way out the doors this morning. Uh, many people give online. As many have signed up for recurrent giving. We appreciate your faithfulness in doing that. And then others use their phones, the Celebration Church app, and are able to give that way. So uh, anyway, I want to thank you for continuing to give. We need to get, you know, giving is an important thing, uh, not only just to the church. I'm talking about in others, to our kids and stuff like that. Say, well, it's just money. No, it's never just money. You know what money is? Money is a reflection of your life. We spend the majority of our lives working. Anybody notice this? Working to make a living. That money is a reflection of your blood, sweat, and tears. When you give of your money to anybody, anywhere, at any time, it is a reflection of this is my life that I'm sharing with you. And God encourages us to give so that we can be blessed and receive at the same time. So, you know, don't sneer at, you know, the whole money thing. It's an important part of uh, your interaction with other people. People who hide all their money, keep all their money, stuff away all their money, and act like Ebenezer Scrooge when it comes to their money. These are people who do not share their lives. Well, I'm eating people and we have a beer. Yeah, now that's not the kind of sharing I'm talking about. I'm talking about where you really give something that reflects who you are. And a lot of times that has to do with money. Money in itself is not evil. It's the lusting and hiding and hoarding around money that makes 
that becomes evil. Everybody said, amen. amen. All right, so that's the money. This is part of your life. Um, uh, if you're visiting this morning, forgive me for taking a few minutes to do some uh, internal church uh, uh, cleanup work, I guess is the word, or announcements. Um, <clears throat> we have uh, been working for some time with the Stevens Point campus to uh, try to find a solution there. That campus, which is what I started uh, 20 years ago, it's yeesh, oh, I'm getting old, um, has always struggled financially and uh, uh, has always needed to be propped up. Even when I was there, <clears throat> it had to be constantly propped up from external sources. And uh, then we came here and started the whole campus concept and have spent lots of money on average, $60,000 a year from this campus went to prop them up with the hope. We say, why would you do that? Well, we kind of looked at it as a missions project. We have lots of money to missions. Said, well, how about our missions in our own backyard, right? So that kind of made sense. But at some point, you look at it and say, all right, this <laughs> just is not working. And uh, about a year ago, Bishop Ed and myself, Phil, started working with the campus. Uh, and uh, Bob, who is the pastor there, said, okay, you've got to figure this out and make this work. And after more than a year of work, they couldn't come up with any solutions. And then he asked, why don't you just release us and we'll just start our own independent church. I said, okay, but then you're on your own. And he said, okay. So that's what we did. Uh, they heard this announcement a couple of weeks ago. They are now. Uh, so you won't hear us welcoming the Stevens Point campus anymore. Although I'm sure there's people at Stevens Point <coughs> who are still watching us on home, at home. <coughs> Glad to have you. Uh, some actually from Point said, well, can we drive to the Appleton campus? Because it's really not that far. And they answer, of course, yes, by all means. If you want to stay connected directly with us, uh, you can certainly do that. So anyway, if you want to, if you're wondering after a while, whatever happened? <laughs> whatever happened to Stephen's point? That's what happened. So anyway, <clears throat> but we certainly gave it a good shot. I'll tell you that. Um, uh, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm glad to be here this morning as your guest speaker. Uh, <clears throat> So bad, right? So, yeah. I, thought, I thought you were stepping back from your laughing away stuff. Actually, I have. I've only had two of those. Well, what were the other ones? Well, you know, Bishop Sean was here, okay? And he spoke here, and then I went and spoke at his church. And Pastor Eric from Pascagoula, is it called Pascalugi? Pascagoula was here, and then I, they said, well, come at Archer. So I did that. And actually, he's coming back next week. I'll tell you about that in just a second. But uh, anyway, why, what's with all of that? Um, one of the things that I personally am really excited about that is just energizing me uh, at this point in my life is being involved in the launch of a new diocese. And, and let me explain that. I know a lot of you come from a Roman Catholic background and these phrases mean different things to the rest of the world than it does to them. Uh, a diocese is a group of churches that are in fellowship, close fellowship with each other, uh, and who has oversight by a bishop. Uh, bishop Sean, who's been part of my brother Ed's, bishop, bishop Ed's diocese for some time, is now launching his own diocese. And we're going with him as they start this. And we're drawing in other churches and getting to know them. And that's why I'm inviting some of these guys to come and speak. Uh, because it would be great to be part of something new, a group of churches that think and act like we do. All right, so we can encourage each other. And there's accountability over that. Uh, I know we've been an independent church for quite some time, 
But independent churches tend to get a little goofy, and I don't want to get goofy. And I, it's good to have people that you can respond to and connect with and watch over. It's not like a Roman Catholic thing. They don't own anything, okay? They don't own the churches. Uh, uh, and at any time, we don't want to be part of that diocese. We just leave, you know, just like you. Say, so, uh, do you vote on whether or not I'm your pastor? No, but you can leave. <laughs> That's a pretty strong vote, you know. So that kind of thing. So that's why we're bringing in, and I'm excited. It's probably going to take a couple of years to get going, but it's really energized me in low this autumn of my life. <laughs> a new project. I'm really excited about it. I am loving these men and looking forward to connecting with these churches. Uh, and, and, then, uh, and again, from time to time, we'll be uh, asking some of these guys to come and talk just so we can connect with them. Uh, some of them are great communicators. Others, really not all that great. You say, well, why do you invite them? Well, everybody doesn't have to, you know. You know it's good to hear from other people, right? And other perspectives, okay? I get it that I'm a lot prettier than all of them. But uh, it's good to hear from them, so it, it, it'll be fine. So uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, <clears throat> one other thing uh, to mention um, we have been working for some time on a succession plan. What happens if Mark drops over dead? Which is not an exciting conversation for me to have. I mean, if all the I'm the least comfortable guy in the room when we're talking about this stuff. All right, but it's just the reality of life, right? At some point, what happens next? So we've been working on this for quite some time. Bishop Ed has been helping us with this. Uh, as you know, he's been serving as our uh, executive pastor offsite, but he's been mentoring Phil, and Phil has taken over most of the executive pastor role. He's been doing an amazing job and been giving him more opportunities to speak, and we've met with him recently and said, is this something you would like to do if something happens to your dad? And he prayed about it and said, yes, yes, I would. So, uh, so, you'll, uh, so Phil is going to be the next guy. Now, if, if Phil was a really highly... Yeah, thank you. There you go, Phil. Somebody likes you. If, uh, if, if Phil was a highly motivated, self-interesting guy for his own career, he wouldn't want this because I'd have to get out of the way. And I don't have any plans to get out of the way. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, he loves being here. He loves me. Uh, so we're going to be having less and less, after saying what I said about these guests coming in, we're going to have less and less guest speakers coming back over the next years. Uh, uh, and giving Phil more opportunity to speak. The only way you learn this stuff is to do it, okay? And he's been doing a great job. So when you come to church, it's going to pretty much be me or mini-me. <laughs> and mini-me is taller than me. It was kind of an odd thing. But anyway, uh, so that's what we're doing, and so you know what's going on uh, because, you know, the banks and everyone's asking, well, what's your succession plan? What do you mean? What if you die? I don't want to die. <laughs> You know, so we've had to come up with this, and we're putting it all in place. So anyway, that's kind of what's happening behind the scenes, all right? Now, I heard there is a rumor going around that I'm moving. Yes, that, that, yes you've heard this, right? Yeah, don't listen to crazy people. All right, so uh, I'm not moving. I, I've had more rumors about me moving and leaving over the last 20 years than, I don't know, maybe they're hoping. He's got to leave eventually. So uh, no, I'm not moving. My guess is... Uh, people saw that our house was up for sale. So people assumed that he's moving. I'm not moving. Well, the plan was to sell the house and move to another house about a mile down the road. 
So we were going to build a new house that was a little bit smaller because, you know, it's just the two of us now and blah, blah, blah. You all understand that. But then the building prices kept going up and up and up. And uh, the Helds, who are, are selling our house, uh, Michael and uh, Mary Kay, wonderful people, uh, actually brought us finally a great offer, probably more than we deserved. But by the time that offer came, to build a house now was insane. So we had to say no, which was kind of a drag, certainly for them. But anyway, um, we're not going anywhere. Where am I going to go? You're the only people who will tolerate me. All right? And then finally, before I get into our very short message this morning, um, the, uh, in October... Now, next week, uh, 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 Pastor Eric is going to be here again. Uh, and then I'm here from who knows when. There's nothing on the schedule for the rest of the eternity. I'm sure at some point I'll still be gone to other places. But uh, uh, overwhelmingly, I will be here as I have been much of, of this year. All right. For those who are uncomfortable with that, I will pretty much always be the guy here. But uh, uh, so anyway... After Eric, I'm going to be doing a short series, two or three weeks, about stuff connected to COVID. What about the COVID thing? You know, what, you know how are we supposed to be approaching this? Uh, we're going to be looking at the Bible. Is the uh, um, vaccine the mark of the beast? Uh, if you get the vaccine, will you go to hell? Will it change your soul and turn you into something else? Uh, and there's people who really believe this and are concerned. And I'm going to enlighten all of us about these things and try to do it without being angry. So anyway, uh, uh, you know, what about uh, the vaccines connected to fetal cells? What about that? What's the morality of this, that, and the other? And we've pretty much just stayed out of it, but it's getting a, lot, a little bit out of hand. And, uh, you know, so I'm going to be doing this. So you want to know, what does the church think about this? What does the Bible say? Be here in October on Sundays, and I'm going to be speaking about that. And another thing tied to that is many people have asked us for religious exemption letters. So because their place of employment is forcing them to get the shot they don't want to get, and, uh, and their only exception would be a religious exemption. And uh, we have written many of them. It's going to be 30 by now, 30 plus a lot of them. <laughs> but, but just so you understand, uh, our religious exemption letter just validates your belief. We don't say one way or the other about this vaccine. That is not our job. And I'll talk about that in October so you understand where we are coming from. But if you have a problem with it and it really bothers you and you are looking for uh, a religious exemption, you can contact the church and we will do it. Here is the catch. What we are doing is validating the devoutness of your faith. If you are a person who regularly attends church, you uh, uh, financially give to support the church. You volunteer to help with the church. You are considered in our book a devout Christian. These are the people we are giving letters to. 
Now, in the beginning, I was even given letters of people that weren't really even connected to the church, and then I felt bad about that. I said, okay, I'm stopping this nonsense. If you are not, if you hardly ever come to church, you never give jack squat and have never volunteered to do anything, I ain't giving you a letter, all right? So <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. You know, go online, see if you can buy one from somebody, you know? And you can't buy it from us. These are not indulgences that we are selling to raise funds, all right? But if, in fact, you are a committed person involved in this faith community and would like validation, it's a nice letter, and I think virtually everyone who's received it has gotten their exemption, right? Except for one. All right, I don't even know anything about that. Do I want to know? Probably not. Anyway, so we're 30 to 1. We're doing good. So, uh, so that's what that is. So that's available to you if you are panicking, and some people are very much panicking and concerned about this thing, uh, and you're a very devout member of our church, this letter will validate your faith. And I argue in that letter that uh, to force them to do something they do not do is unneighborly, is unkind, and very likely unconstitutional. Uh, and most of these have gone through. So anyway, so you've got all that. All right, the sermon at last. <laughs> <laughs> and I will keep it fairly short, I think. Who knows? I never keep anything short. Uh, let's look at uh, James, the fifth chapter, starting at verse 13. All right? James writes these words. Are any among you suffering? And there's always people that would say yes to that. This was in the early church, too. So at times, people suffer. Sometimes good people suffer. Sometimes, you know, we think, why do bad things happen to good people? Because we live in a bad world. It's a very simple answer. And we get affected by these things. So if you're in a situation where you are suffering and really struggling in life, what should you do? He says they should pray. Why? Because prayer changes things. But you have to pray in faith. A lot of people, when they pray, they're just panicking. You know what I'm saying? They're freaking out. They're crying. Oh, God, help me. And that's not really effective prayer. That's panicking. Now, you can panic, call us, we'll panic with you and cry and we'll all hold hands. But that's not going to change anything for you. It might make you feel better. You want to get to a place of faith because God will change things for you. Uh, James writes about this in the earlier chapter, chapter 1, verse 6. He says, but ask in faith, never doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, back and forth. Ah, I believe God, I'm not sure. What if it doesn't happen? Oh, God, help me. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Is a pastor, but I struggle. How do I do this? Listen, you know how to get faith for the big things in your life? Start having faith for the small things in your life. If you're a bodybuilder, like myself, <laughs> I'm building this way. Uh, if you're a bodybuilder and you lift weights, you don't start with... Actually, John is a... <laughs> <laughs> so what weight did you start with, John? <laughs> he says, just go on. Don't make this about me. You don't start with 300 pounds, right? That's not how you do it. You don't start, I always feel bad. And I've said this before. And it's not condescending. I mean it sincerely from my heart. I always feel bad having to come and help people who are having to trust God for something big in their life. And it's the first time they've ever had to trust him for anything. Uh, it's sad because it's so hard for them. 
And they struggle, and then it's mostly just emotional support at that point. Listen, you want to trust God for the big things in your life? Start trusting for the little things. Start with 20 pounds. <laughs> you know, have a little faith. Learn to pray about the small things. You know, if you got a headache, maybe instead of just dousing half a bottle of Tylenol, <laughs> pray. <laughs> Lord, heal me with this headache, you know. This is, uh, you know. I'm talking little things. Now, if you want to take the Tylenol, I don't care. I'm just saying find somewhere, something where you can trust God. That's how you build your faith just like lifting weights. If you're a musician, and they're all hiding in the back somewhere back there, but uh, being a musician, you know how you learn how to play real fast? You play slow. You have to play slow. And you do it over and over and over again, and pretty soon you get to the place, you can hardly think about it. And just have fun with it. But you don't do that by practicing right away. Because you're not going to get anywhere. All right? Start Little. So no matter where you're at, I don't care if you're eight years old or if you're 80 years old this morning. Whatever your situation, start to trust God. Why? Because when things go bad, you can then, as James encourages you to, pray and see answers to prayer. So he says, uh, uh, if anything's bad, pray. And then next he says, uh, are any cheerful? Then they should sing songs of praise. And this is where we celebrate God in our life. And enjoy the blessings of God and be grateful. Be thank God loves people who are grateful and thankful. Thank him for stuff. Be grateful. Thank God when this goes right for you and that goes right for you and stuff. And then you come to church on Sunday morning and we celebrate. We're called Celebration Church. What do we celebrate? We're celebrating God in our lives, that he cares about us and he blesses us and he encourages us. So this is something the Bible tells us that we're supposed to do. All right? I want to go down there. No, stay focused, Mark. All right. Uh, and then he says this, are any among you sick? Many of us have been sick. Everybody's sick at one point or other. Uh, and it says, what should you do then? He says, they should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And in the... Uh, indication there is that they lay their hands on them and they pray for them. But I was talking to uh, some of our pastors, actually a few pastors this last week, and I said, does anybody do this anymore? I cannot remember the last time anyone asked us to come to their home and pray for them. And we're missing a big king. And I asked, why don't we do this? And immediately, I answered my own question with, well, Mark, you never talk about it. <laughs> so I'm talking about it. We should be asking. Now, we live in a different world today. The main thing is nobody wants anybody to come to their house. You know, when I grew up, people loved people coming to their houses. Okay? There's a comedian. His name's Sebastian Maniscalco. He has a whole routine on back in the day when People would come over and it was company. We got company. And you remember how, and we can all relate to this, right? Mom would always have this really nice dessert. Nobody could eat it. Because it was for company. And when, when uh, company came, everybody was excited. They sat down and chat. And you got to eat the good dessert. And, you know, time. And if the phone rang, nobody answered that phone. Right? He goes, this whole routine is hilarious. But it's exactly what we did, Right? You couldn't answer the phone. Oh, my goodness gracious. Why? Because we have 
company. I remember when I was first in ministry, it was a big thing for the pastor to come visit you at home. Okay? So anyway, in his routine, which again is so accurate, uh, he says, that's the way it used to be. Today, your doorbell rings, everybody panics. <laughs> Who's here? Who invited anybody? You know, everybody hide, nobody move. Uh, and it's really, really funny. But as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, it's really true. We, nobody wants anybody to come in their lives anymore, and especially in their homes. And I was trying to think, why is that? And I suppose it's because uh, both men and women were, it used to be back when we grew up, mom was home all day long and, and was able to keep the house fairly orderly. Not so much the case today. A lot of homes look like a hand grenade was thrown in the middle. <laughs> And nobody wants to come to my house because my house isn't clean. And even if your house is clean, you don't think it's clean. And if you were like my wife, Debbie, whenever we'd have a cleaning person come, she'd make sure to clean ahead of time. <laughs> Why are you doing this? I don't want this place to look awful. <laughs> She's a cleaning lady. This is what she does. But anyway, so anyway, people had lots of time for that. People don't have so much time for that today. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's a change in the culture. I don't know. And listen, I will respect that. You don't want us coming to your home. Nobody wants anybody coming to their home anymore. Fine. I'm good with that. Then at a minimum, you should come here. All right? Make an appointment and say, well, can you get the pastors of the church to pray for me? I'm sick. Or so-and-so's very sick. Can you, you know, don't come to my house. It's a disaster. Well, then come here. So you got to make an appointment? Yeah, you do that all the time. You make appointments to go see doctors. And in our case, we won't make you sit for 45 minutes. <laughs> and we won't send you a bill later. All right? So come and get prayed for. And, and more than just, you say, well, I, I, get, I get prayed for, I, I get on the prayer list. We have a prayer chain. <sighs> okay. So don't you believe in that? Yeah, sure, I believe we should always pray. But that's not what the Bible says. If you're sick, it doesn't say get a bunch of strangers praying for you on a prayer chain. Why? I don't know. I'm just following the directions. It says call for the elders of the church so they can come lay hands on you, anoint you with oil. Something special happens when that happens. God does, I think, an amazing thing. It's really a sacramental thing. It's, you lay hands, and we believe that when we lay hands on people, something happens. Uh, and it's based on the scriptures. All right? I'm just going to, I could do this for a long time. I'm just going to give you a few of them. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verse 40. As the sun was setting, all those who had any sick or, uh, uh, with various kinds of diseases brought them to Jesus, and he laid his hands on them and cure them. Luke 13, 11. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you're set free from your ailment. And when he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began to praise God. We read in the book, and this is all throughout the Gospels. We jump to the uh, book of Acts, where Saul, who becomes Paul eventually, uh, 
was on the road to Damascus persecuting Christians and he gets knocked down and blinded and, and Jesus says, you need to go to such and such place and God speaks to this guy named Ananias to go pray for him. So Acts, the 19th chapter, verse 17, we read the account. So Ananias went and entered the house and he laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what does, what's one of the first things that happens to Saul? Somebody comes and lays their hands on them, him, and prays for him. And suddenly he could see. Uh, Paul, Saul who eventually becomes Paul, eventually writes to Timothy. And again, we see this throughout the whole Bible. I'm not hitting all of them, but just to give you a, a small reference here. Uh, Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, for this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through what? The laying on of my hands. This is something that was done continually through the uh, New Testament. This idea, Jesus did it, the apostles did it, and believers were encouraged to do it. And James says, is any of you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church so they can lay hands. He didn't say lay hands. He says anointed with oil, which you got to do by laying hands on them. Uh, lay hands on them and pray for them so they can be healed. Again, it's something that has become a distant memory in churches. And again, as I talk to these pastors, no one could remember the last time anybody ever did this. And I think, this is wrong. We need to get back to this, okay? Well, one pastor says, well, that's why we have people come up in church in the line and we all pray for them and lay hands real quick. Uh, my problem with that a lot of you know, is uh, you don't really get to know people and find out what's going on in their lives. And sometimes the Bible says, don't lay hands on people quickly. In other words, know something about what's going on in their lives and chat with them a bit, uh, which we will do to you when we pray for you. Um, you know, it's like someone comes forward and says, what's your problem? I feel guilty. And then they just pray for them. I always say, why do you feel guilty? Right? Well, I'm committing adultery. Yeah, you're supposed to feel guilty when you do that. How about you stop? Or someone comes up and says, would you pray for me? We're struggling financially. And then just boom, in these instant prayer lines, they just pray. Well, I say, well, why are you struggling? Well, we, I have a gambling problem. Ah, let's talk about that. I have a coughing problem. Why is that? Is that new? Well, I smoke two and a half packs of cigarettes a day. Oh, maybe we should pray about that. People don't want that stuff, right? That's part of the problem. Nobody wants, don't be peeking into my life to see what's going on. Uh, you know, and we're not going to be intrusive, but the idea is to get to... Uh, find out how you're doing, what's going on, and lay our hands and pray for you. So I think this automatic, you know, McDonald's version of prayer lines in churches, this isn't what the Bible's talking about. We need to take the time to pray for you. And, and there was a, a, a young lady who came. Were you there when we prayed for her? Uh, she was pregnant. She had like four months to go. Is that right? Let's see if I can find the text here. This, oh, she's watching right now. <coughs> Tiffany, right? All right, so Tiffany comes, and she's very pregnant, uh, which is different than being a little pregnant. I don't know. She's, I guess they're very pregnant. So anyway, she's here, and they're saying there's something wrong with the baby. And it was like he had only half a heart or something like that. This is not good news. When you're four months out and you have your infant in you, the doctor says only has half a heart. Now, most people would just panic scream and cry, get mad at God, I mean, all the whole list. And I don't know what emotions she had, but all I know is she was standing here with us with total confidence and asked us to 
to pray for her. And we took the time, laid hands on her, anointed her with oil, and I'll never forget it. As I did it, I don't know if you remember saying that, oh my, <laughs> I felt something. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, right? But we're praying that God would do this. So anyway, here's the text this morning. Uh, just spoke, because, because the baby is here now. A boy? What's his? Micah? Should have called him Mark. Um, <laughs> I, just, uh, I forgive you. All right. Uh, just spoke to the cardio people and confirmed they're saying no surgery is needed. No medications. Isn't that amazing? Just follow-ups to watch because there's a couple of little holes yet that haven't closed. Just watch, but they think it's just going to just keep as it's been going. We'll clear up on its own. We're going to praise God for his continued healing. Four months ago, he had half a heart. And now here we are talking about going home just days after his birth. That's pretty cool. So anyway, let me just encourage, let's get a thing. I know people are very private. Nobody likes, some people don't, don't touch me. <laughs> Where you been, you know, that kind of thing. And I, now if you have an extremely communicable disease, let us know. <laughs> Maybe we'll come up with a version two. I don't know. Uh, you know, and if you're in the hospital in the COVID world, they're not going to let us come in anyway. But short of that, let us be bold and let us be confident and let's, Pray for each other. Now, having said all of that, as we're getting ready to go into our communion time, uh, we are going to end our service here and in, uh, in the Fox Valley. Our benediction is going, we're going to ask people who want us to pray for them to line up and come down. We're going to lay our hands on you and anoint you uh, uh, with oil and pray healing grace over you. We did this at the beginning of COVID. And compared to a lot of other congregations I've heard around the world, we have not had massive deaths or any. Some have had serious sicknesses. I was one of them, but we came through it. I believe God answers prayer. And you know, and we were talking about this. Maybe the something we should do every fall as we go, because that's when all the crud comes out. Let's just have a time, just anoint people, ask God's healing grace over them. And if you do get sick, call, make an appointment. We don't have to come to your house. Make an appointment, come and uh, we will gather around you, we will lay hands on you, we will anoint you with oil, and we pray. And according to what the scripture says here, we can expect God to heal you. All right? So that's what that's all about. So that's what we're going to be doing in a minute. Now, if you're in a hurry, as soon as we're done, you can zip out the back. But if you want someone to pray for you, uh, it won't take long. It's very, very short prayers. And uh, we'll have different pastors up here, and we'll be able to anoint you with oil, pray God's healing grace on you during this COVID time and even with all the other stuff that's going on as we move into the fall. All right, so that's how we're going to end our service. Now, uh, we're going to go right now into our time of communion. This is where we celebrate. The Bible says to, to celebrate, right? We're going to celebrate our faith. Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world. On the night before he was crucified, he gave his disciples bread, said, take this. This is my body broken for you. Gave them the wine. This is my blood shed for you. This is what we celebrate during this time. Now, the Bible says, before we do this, we should always examine ourselves to see where we're at with God. So having said that, let's all bow our heads as I pray a prayer of forgiveness over all of us. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread 
in the cup this morning and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. If we've sinned against you in thought, something we were thinking, something we did, something we said, boy, am I guilty of that. And uh, we ask that you would forgive us of our sins for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who died on the cross for us. Have mercy on us. Strengthen us by your Holy Spirit to keep us in eternal life. And as our heads are bowed and, and we're praying, and if there's something you can think of that maybe you need to settle with God, just talk to him about it right now. And if you're here, maybe you're just visiting, watching online, whatever, um, and you're thinking, you know, I've never done this. I've never experienced what you guys have experienced. You can do that. Just ask Jesus to come into your life. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and give you a new start. And you can start your first steps of faith this morning and experience God's forgiveness and grace in your life. Amen.